that says, God, I want to, I want to be integrous b before your eyes. And, and uh, I would say if, if, if I could um, give uh, one um, phrase for this morning's teaching, it would be the, the eyes of God. If we could title this morning, I would title it The Eyes of God. And as I've processed and, and prayed over the past few months and spent time with the Lord, I've, I've meditated on the idea that God has eyes and he sees. Have you guys ever done that? You guys ever taken a, an attribute of God and just meditated on that one thing? Like, like for me, it's been... Wow, God, you have eyes and you see. What can you see? What can't you see? What do you like to see? What moves your heart when you see it? And it's the idea of, of, of this morning, the eyes of God. Let's, if you have your Bible, uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 23 and we'll just jump right into this. Matthew 23 verse 23. And this was a, a scripture that I've been processing over these past few months uh, related to this topic of integrity and the idea of, of God seeing. And in Matthew 23, verse 23, this is Jesus, who is God in the flesh. He's looking at a group of men and he addresses them. And this group of men are the, the scholars of the law, the Old Testament law, the Torah scholars and the Pharisees. And he says in verse 23, I believe with brokenness in his heart. And he says, woe to you, Torah scholars and Pharisees. You're hypocrites. You tithe mint and dill and cumin, yet you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. It is necessary to do these things without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Torah scholars and Pharisees. You are hypocrites. You, you clean the outside of the cup in the dish, but inside, say inside, but inside, you're full of greed and uncontrolled desire. Oh, blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and dish so that the outside may become clean as well. Woe to you, Torah scholars and Pharisees, you're hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. And here's the, the key verse, verse 28, in the same way you appear righteous to men on the outside, but inside are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And the issue that Jesus had with this particular group of men is that they were more concerned or more caught up with appearing righteous to their fellow man rather than being right 
before God. They were set on obtaining right standing with God based on their own works rather than receiving by faith the Lamb of God that was standing right before their eyes to take away the sin of the world. They missed it. Jesus, in in essence, was saying, guys, you're completely missing it. You're, You're missing me. You're so caught up with trying to produce this life of integrity and righteousness and holiness, but you're missing it. You're missing me, and I'm standing right in front of you. And I've gotten to this place in, in my life where, where I, I honestly can relate to these men. I've, I've, I've tried that. I've done that. I've tried to, you know, I've tried to try harder. I've tried my best to live righteous and holy and integrous. But I've come to the point in my life where, where, where I can honestly say, that I'm not honest. I'm not integrous. I'm not righteous apart from the righteousness that Jesus has to offer me. And I've got to the place in my life where I don't want to just appear right before you, but I want to be right before God. There's a difference. I don't want to just do everything I can so that Joe thinks I'm a righteous man or Scott Sprague thinks I'm an honest man or David Hill thinks I'm a man of integrity. I I want to be those things. But more than that, I want to be right before God. And I believe that becoming a man of integrity, it begins with the awareness That we can come to the place where we can honestly say, God, apart from you, I'm not honest. I'm not truthful. I'm not righteous. I'm not holy. And I'm in need of you to shape the deepest part of my heart and form me into your image. God, I need help. I need the saving that you offer me through Jesus Christ. I need it because it's by grace that we're saved through faith. It's by grace that we're saved through faith. Let me take it further. It's by grace also that we as men are able to live the integrous, holy, and righteous life that God has to offer us. That he's called this to. It's not just by grace that we're saved. But it's by grace that we can live the life that God's always called us to live. The grace of God is not just for salvation, it's to empower us. All throughout the New Testament, grace is coupled with power. I'll say it this way, the grace of God is God's empowerment on the life of every believer to live the life he's always called us to live. So that I don't just strive in my own power, but I strive by the power that God gives me. There is striving involved, but it's in his power and it's by his grace. We don't just wake up in the morning and just expect to live a life of integrity. It starts with the desire to be integrous. And God matches our desire with his power. 
Paul says this three times in the New Testament. He addresses three different churches, Ephesus, Colossae, and Thessalonica. And he exhorts them and he says, live in a manner worthy of your calling. And there's, God's produced such a desire in me that I want to please him. I want to live in a manner worthy. I don't want to just be saved and go on sinning. I want to be saved and go on pleasing the one that saved me. How do I do that? By his grace and by his power, we can go and live in a manner worthy of the gospel. And we actually can live lives pleasing to him. It says in, um, it says in Hebrews chapter 4, that there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to give an account. It says in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth. Think about this, men. The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth. What is he looking for? He's looking for one to strongly support whose heart is completely his. The eyes of the Lord are, is scanning the earth, looking for hearts that fully belong to him. And I just, and again, in my meditation, in my thought of these scriptures, I'm like, God, when, when your eyes land on me, do you find a heart that's completely yours? Think about that. Think about the eyes of the Lord landing on this room right now. Landing on you. Does he find what he's looking for? There's a desire in me, guys, that when I want him to find what he's looking for in me. I want that. I desire it. This became such a desire and a prayer of David. It says in Psalm 139 that David prayed this. He said, God, search me. Know my heart. Try me. Test me. Know my thoughts. And see if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me. In the everlasting way. This became such a desire of David that he got to the point where he said, God, I'm tired of kidding myself. There's got to be stuff in me. Search me. Show me my own wicked way. And lead me in the way that is the way of life. Lead me in the way that is the way of integrity. Lead me in the way that is pleasing to you. Show me my own fault. I want to be pleasing to you. He says in Psalm chapter 51, he prays, God created me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. You know, spending time in the Psalms, I, I feel like the heart of David has rubbed off on me a little bit because I've found myself over these past couple months praying similar things. Saying, God, would you search me? There's, there's no drawer in me that, it, that you are not allowed to open. There's not that top drawer that's mine and I, I'm the only one that has the key. 
But I'm saying, God, you have the key to every drawer. Every drawer belongs to you. Open each one, search it far and wide, and show me if there's any garbage in there. Because I want it, I want it out of me. Why? Because I want to be pleasing to you. Search me. Show it to me. Lead me in the everlasting way. I want to live in a manner worthy of your death, of your resurrection. I want to live a life worthy and I want to please you in all things. Three takeaways from this morning. Number one, we ought to desire to please God. We ought to desire to please God. Number two, we can pray and ask God to examine our life and ask Him to lead us by His Spirit and empower us by His grace. And number three, we can walk in that. We can walk in a manner worthy of our calling by the Spirit and grace of God. I'm going to pray and we're going to I'm going to hand it over to the table captains um, who have three questions that we'll go through together at our tables. Father, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for your presence in the room. I thank you, God, that you're not just committed to our saving, but you're committed to, as your word says, to conform us into the image and the likeness of Jesus. I thank you, God, that you're committed to the growth and the sanctification of every man in this room that calls himself a follower of you. So God, we pray this morning, search us. Search our hearts. Try us, test us, know us. See if there be any wicked way in us, God. Not in a legalistic way, but in a, in a pure heart's desire to want to please you. With all that would agree with me, God, we say we want to live lives worthy of our calling. Help us. Lead us by your spirit. Empower us by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.